Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! So we're beginning tonight the season of Advent, can you tell? Um, and so a new worship series for this season that will leak over a little bit into Christmas and the season just after Christmas. Um, and so here, I got three problems with the season and what I'm supposed to do starting tonight. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. One is, uh, in the Revised Common Lectionary, the, the schedule of scripture readings that we mostly adhere to um, for our liturgical year, uh, we are entering now into the year known as the Mark year. The Gospel of Mark will be our guide for starting today and, and moving on through this whole entire 12 months. But the Gospel of Mark, you know what it doesn't have? It doesn't have a nativity like Jesus just springs fully formed from the head of God, and there's no baby, there's no stable, there's no Bethlehem, there's no swaddling clothes, there's nothing. And so how are we supposed to make Advent and Christmas out of a gospel that doesn't have that story in it? The, the second problem I have is that there is actual literal violence in the literal geography of Jesus's birth narrative his raising, and his eventual adulthood. It just strikes me, as it does many of my colleagues, that we cannot speak of Bethlehem this season as like this mythical place of children's Christmas pageants and Sunday school lessons and those maps in the back of your study Bible. You know, there's stuff going on in that geography right now, and that's real, and it should be real for us in this season. And the third problem I've got in this season is that it's tricky for a lot of people in our church. There's this cultural assumption, right, about families gathering, everybody all at home together. But the longer I spend with human beings, human beings, including y'all, the more I know that this is more of a fantasy than a reality for a lot of people a lot of the time. And home is hard, uh, and that makes this season really hard. And so, in typical... Galileo fashion. We're just going to take it head on. The theme of worship for this season for us is going to be home for the holy days. Specifically, we're going to be exploring the geography of Jesus, his birth and his infancy, his rebirth into adulthood, and his ministry as a grown-up. And every week after this Sunday, we're going to name one location from our Bible land map and we're going to think about what that space meant for him and what it means for us and for this world God still loves. Tonight, though, sort of as a preface to the whole series, we'll be looking at an introductory text from the Gospel of Luke. This is about grown-up Jesus' rejection of the very idea of home. Just, we'll get all the problems out right here at the beginning. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. 
As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of humanity has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, follow me. But that one said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the reign of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the reign of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In my dreams all these years later, I am most often in my grandparents' house at 701 East North 14th in Abilene. The napping couch in the den is still centered under a long, high window. A hummingbird feeder hangs under the eave, and the pecan tree just beyond gives shade to the back part of the house. Grandmother sits in her chair sewing or working a crossword puzzle, and granddad sits in his chair watching John Wayne or Roger Staubach on the cabinet TV. And it smells so good in here, like tobacco and cinnamon, like chicken fried steak and Old Spice. In my dreams, it still smells like home. That's the thing about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? For humans to survive at the most basic level, we need shelter from the elements, a roof, a floor, basically steady walls. We need a house. But just up from that, just over the line from physical shelter for our bodies, there is a very nearly basic need for stability, for security, for safety. Even if you have a house, everybody knows, you still need a home, which is what makes Jesus an asshole, to quote our worship architect. Well, I mean, at first he sounds kind of cool, kind of countercultural, you know, his rejection of the Western white capitalist ideal of property ownership. Some wannabe disciple promises to follow him wherever, and Jesus says, nah, man, you don't understand. Foxes, birds, all the little critters have their own little houses. It's cute. But the son of humanity doesn't have a mortgage or a deed or a set of keys or a homeowner's policy. I came here to commune with the poor of the world, the unhoused and the displaced, the enslaved and the refugee. If you're coming with me, be prepared to bed down with me and my friends on the banks of Village Creek down under I-20 or wherever we end up at the dusk of each day. If you're looking for a mentor with more of a, you know, a dress, more of a headquarters type deal, you're going to have to find some other messiah. And that's a philosophy I can absolutely vibe with. I mean, at least as far as church 
goes in my personal life. I am completely entangled in the Western white capitalist ideal of property ownership. In reality, the church becomes, for me, an institution on which I can conveniently deflect the most difficult demands of following Jesus. <laughs> Just saying. Just trying to keep it real. Anyway, that's partly why Galileo Church keeps renting this ramshackle barn where the water tastes terrible and the U.S. Postal Service will not deliver because it feels weird and immoral that the church should bind itself to property contracts when Jesus' own life on earth eschewed exactly that. Okay, also because we can't afford a mortgage. But so far in our life together, we're not sad to find ourselves in alignment with Jesus on this one. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but Galileo Church has nowhere to lay its head. Cool. But then, cool Jesus turns ever so slightly cruel Jesus. His snark in the next couple of encounters just hits different let me first bury my father, says another wannabe. My group at Bible and Beer the other night thought he might have been saying something like, just let me be a faithful kid who keeps the fifth commandment of the Big Ten, honoring my father by staying near while he's in hospice. Let me hold his hand while he passes from this life to the next. Less about literally digging a grave, more about fulfilling the promise of family, paying what we owe to the ancestors whose house and maybe even home we came up in. To which Jesus says, again, nah, death is for dead people. Come with me if you want to live. Besides being weirdly prescient about the Terminator movies, Come with me if you want to live. Sorry. Jesus really seems to miss the point on this one. I mean, doesn't he grok that one of the most faithful things we do in this life is care for our parents as they age? For Christ's actual sake, I know any number of queer adults who, after their parents rejected them for decades, return home to offer tender, capable care through their parents' final season of cancer or dementia or heart disease, it's more deeply Christian than just about anything I can imagine. How has Jesus so misunderstood the call of his very own religion? P.S. I know Jesus wasn't a Christian. I'm trying to make a point here. Just for good measure, because three is a magic number, there's the guy who thought it would be bad form to simply walk away from his family, from his spouse and kids without leaving a schedule of livestock care, without whispering his bank password in his partner's ear, without kissing the little ones goodbye. I just need a minute, he said to the Lord, to tell them it's not them, it's you. To tell them I still love them and I'll see them again when the time is right. To tell them that I will hold them in my prayers as I hope they will do for me. To not leave them wondering what happened to me, whether I'm dead by the side of the Jericho Road, whether I'm ever coming home. To which Jesus answers, Even a farm boy like you should understand that there's some work that requires that you look forward the whole time. You cannot follow me with your neck craned around to check on them. You'll plow a crooked row for sure. Leave them, come with me, or stay home. You have to choose.
Now, Luke ends the reportage here. He moves on to chapter 10 with nary a comment. But I would like to ask the congregation's permission tonight to indulge in a bit of midrash. That is an imaginative extension of the conversation with Jesus because I got a few things I want to say. <clears throat> you know what really chaps my hide, Lord? What really burns my cookies? What really grinds my gears? Is that we have spent 10 years making Galileo Church a safe space, a place where a family of choice could flourish, providing relational stability for people who badly needed it, surviving a couple of evictions, several dumpster fires worth of existential threat, an intermittently leaky propane heater, spring storms that have threatened to blow our rickety house down, and a global pandemic that literally made it dangerous for us to be indoors together. Only to have gosh dang Christian nationalists who don't show up to protest when the weather is damp make us feel like this space is not safe, like the rug has been pulled out from under our sense of security here. Seriously, Jesus, it pisses me off. And it does not seem like too much to ask, O oh Lord, that we would get one place in this world where girlfriends can hold hands, where trans folks can try out a new haircut or a new name, where quirky AF kids and adults can stem without being afraid they're going to break something, where spiritually weary folks can take a blanket-wrapped nap in a comfy chair while the rest of us sing hymns for their sake. Don't you want that for us, Jesus? Shouldn't we have this? Not just a house, but a home? I do, he says, after a long time. You should. But here's the thing, Katie Bug. Oh, I hate it when he calls me that. That thing you want, he says, that thing y'all need for your flourishing... It's not in the plow or the field. It's not in the bank or the mortgage or your grandparents' den. It's not in the big red barn or the Kennedale PD or the absence of harassment from those shit-ass Nazi-adjacent pretenders. It is not in your dying parents or your living kids it's not in any of the things or people you surround yourself with and hold on to, even the good things and the good people, even the very best things and the very best people. What you want, what you need, the home you deserve is with me. It's wherever I go. It's wherever I am. That is home for you now. Come with me and see. This is a hard thing for me to come to terms with, church. And it is even harder for me to confess right out loud to you. I cannot make this place safe. All together. We cannot make this house our home if by home we mean the kind of place that makes us ask Jesus to hold up just a minute 
we will still talk about the shelter of each other, and we will still call each other our family of choice. And I don't know, maybe if we install enough cameras around the perimeter and replace all the glass doors with steel ones, and the Latinos united for conservative action get bored with us and move on to something else, maybe we will eventually feel the muscles in our necks relax into worship the way they used to. Maybe. And girlfriends will hold hands, and trans folks will try out a new haircut, and quirky kids and adults will stim, and exhausted people will nap while we sing. But church, we will never again not remember Jesus basically promising to destabilize our sense of safety, our being at home, if we stick close to him. So we have, and so he has. We don't have to like it. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, Go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.